We are oh, just starting. Recording? Good, good job. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, I'm Paul Carruthers, and I'm with Moto America. I'm the communications manager, and this is our uh, our weekly podcast, Off Track. And that down there at the end, the big cuddly fella is Sean Bice, who's usually in Ohio, and we're we're all here today. We've got our Twins Cup champion, Chris Parrish. We've got our Twins Cup runner-up. We try not to make him fight. Or we're actually, we'll try and make him fight. <laughs> and uh, we're actually at Road Atlanta for the opening round of the 2019 Moto America Series. Nice to see you guys. Thanks for sticking around a little bit late. I'm sure you've had some late nights, so it's probably normal at this yeah, point. Yeah, this is no worries now. <laughs> <laughs> let's, start with, uh, let's start with you, since you're the champion. Sorry. Hey, man. Second you won the most out. races, though, didn't you? First loser. Did you win the most races? <laughs> I think maybe. Yeah, yeah you got oh, about thinks, one. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So he's being humble. How was it a grind getting For here? For once, he's being humble. <laughs> right, right. Right. First time for everything. <laughs> was it a grind getting here? Like, normal? I mean, if the first race is always difficult, especially for privateer guys. And um, Yeah. For me, yeah, since I did a lot of changes with the body work, I... I you know, I started over, um, but I just, I wanted my own body work. So I just kind of just took to the grind and, and made all the stuff. And then I went up to Minnesota and I uh, worked with Annie Palmer to mold my body work where I was able to get back home and make my own stuff just so I wouldn't have to build or wouldn't have to go and buy them if I crashed or whatever, if I ever need it, I can just make it so much cheaper. So a lot of late nights with that. Um, so, and even when I got the motorcycle back from Mike, the engine builder, um, I had to do all the fitment with all the body work and stuff. And I made new fairing stays and made all new brackets. And uh, all this is, you know, within just like a couple of weeks. And then I got a phone call from uh, John Ulrich to do their body work. Their paint guy kind of fell through and, and 27 boxes fell on my front porch wow. magically. by the race van and uh (laughs) so in the next you know i started two wednesdays ago and in nine days i did um 14 tanks and uh over 30 pieces of body work for them wow so then on top of that i had my stuff to do and then i had like four other customers to do so in the end i did uh like 17 tanks and almost 70 pieces of body work so, so talk, Chris, talk about that. You know, that's, that's your day job. Mm-hmm. You have Ghetto Customs, name of your company, and you're a body shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily motorcycle stuff. Do you do car stuff too? Uh, well, car stuff takes a little bit longer than motorcycle stuff because I can flip the body work, you know, so much easier and faster. Um, but I actually have a 63 Impala at home right now. I'm restoring. Um, you know, it's a low rider. I've already, you know, welded up the frame, the hydraulics and stuff, but the body is just sitting there and the guy's just waiting on me. I'm like, dude, I just got other stuff to do right now. But he's cool with it. So, so yeah, I do cars as well. Mm-hmm. The the bike stuff, you also, don't you also take, like, restore tanks, take the dents out? Do you do mm-hmm. painless dent repair or at least take the dents out and refinish them? It's not painless. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essentially, if, if, if the tank comes in, I mean, I've had some with just a single dent in it or they've been folded in half. I mean, I cut the bottoms of them out or drill holes in them and I beat the dents out of them best I wow. can. Do a little filler and just repaint it. Of course, I weld the holes up. Um, but there's not many people that uh, that do that or even take the time to do that. But mm-hmm. I've been doing it for so long, I can repair a tank in like less than a day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's profitable. 
So when you're racing, do you think about like, oh man, I can't crash this thing because I got to pound out this tank? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the sad part because my stuff is usually last. You know, like I just explained, I did all the all the paintwork and stuff for for a lot of people, and mine was just a quick rush there at the end. So yeah, that's kind of one thing that goes through my mind when I'm racing. You know, I don't, don't want to fix my own stuff. <laughs> That's How, why I'm coming with two of everything. <laughs> How big of a crunch was it for you to get here? It was hard. I had a, it was a struggle. So I never had, I, I bought a motorcycle at the middle of last season, like around Utah. And I gave a bunch of my parts away to uh, some people to work on. And then it never ended up happening. And so I didn't get my engine back to even get built until like the end of November. And so I basically started in November to build my own bike and uh, kind of the same situation with Chris. I didn't, I didn't want to run all the standard FC07 bodywork that's out there, so I ended up retrofitting R6 bodywork to it. It took a little bit of time to sort getting it mounted easily without a lot of modification and, like, you know, modifying the subframe and the fairing stays to make everything fit. And now I have, like, a bolt-on kit that's really easy and uh, looks badass, by the way. Um <laughs> Well, what, what's your day job? Say so myself. Uh, I actually kind of do the same thing as Chris. I do graphics and design for motorcycle libraries, and like I design posters for racers and race logos for racers, and then corporate identification for companies, you know, logo design and uh, stuff like that. So I have a graphic design degree and an illustration degree, and then uh, my wife actually owns a wedding store. We actually own three, so. Wow, that's good. Do wedding dresses. That's the altar. So you see the design. That's how the pink. The pink kind of fell in. Like I have the pink (laughs) motorcycle, but it sort of fell into place because my wife started a wedding store, and I was like, I'll use the wedding store colors as my color. And then once you run a pink pink bike and start winning, if you go back to something else, you just get made fun of. So like now I have to be pink. Everyone's like, oh, you can't go back from being pink. You have to still be pink. And so that's kind of how the pink (laughs) color scheme ended up being how it is. So, Chris, let me ask you, last year when we showed up here, it was the first race, inaugural race for Twins Cup. You won the race. Um, there were nine, nine bikes, I think, on the grid. There are 39 this year entered. What, what happened? Do you, what, how did we go from nine bikes to 39? Do you, and do you guys feel like you're, I don't want to say age-related, just call you the grandfathers of the class, <laughs> but you guys, I mean, you're obviously like Pied Pipers a little bit. What do you think happened? Did people see what you were doing and said, hey, I, I'm a, I can do that? You know, what, what's the secret to it? Uh, well, you have to go back to how many entries did we have at Pittsburgh last It's year? That's when it started. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Quite a bit more, yeah. So in the beginning, you know, all of us lightweight guys are, you know, we're in a you know, tight group. We, we All of us communicate, you know, even in, no matter any kind of form or whatever, we all communicate. Um, but what I think is, is that in the beginning, guys were afraid to put, you know, shell out the cash and build a motorcycle and, you know, pay out a bunch of money to, you know, enter a Moto America race. People thought that they couldn't, they couldn't handle the, the money. They couldn't handle, you know, preparing the bite. They were just scared. So, and then watching us go through the season and when it came back to the East Coast, that's why you saw so many entrants at Pittsburgh because people had time to build their bike and get the program together and they all showed up at Pittsburgh. So the last three rounds were good. So now we're starting over. People have had more time and that's why you're seeing more. Mm-hmm. Guys are interested in it. They know that they can afford it. And these lightweight bikes, even though they're naked and you have to do a lot of work to it, you know, we've already explained how much you have to do. Um, 
guys are taking the time to build, you know, parts and you know, put these motorcycles in because it's still affordable. You know, like the six hundred back in the day. You, you know, a teenager could go buy a six hundred for six, seven thousand dollars off the showroom floor and go have fun. You know, it's affordable. It's the same way it is right now with the uh, the lightweight bikes. Jason, tell us about with regard to your bike and really Chris, same way. You guys did a lot of work over the winter to the point where you know getting here, you kind of got here in the nick of time. What do you, what are you trying to do with your bike? Are you trying to make it handle better? Engine performance, uh, crash worthiness, look better. I mean, what what is what is your whole thing? So for me, I rode the Altis bike and I rode Andy's bike last year, and so I had like honestly like three different motorcycles or four different motorcycles that I rode throughout the year. I want consistency. I would like to have the same motorcycle underneath me every time. Uh, our goal this year is to have a very light bike. We wanted to have spares of everything. I wanted to not only function well but look good and be modular i mean if something happens and we crash i don't want to have to like you know these bikes like he said they're street fighters so they don't really have fairings they don't they come with single subframe frames and single or you know the the subframe and the fairing stays are like non-existent so we're creating our own stuff for this and if you throw it down the track and bend something or break something you need to be able to fix it so that was kind of our goal was to have a subframe that's removable, have a fairing stay that's removable, have bodywork that's easily accessible, um, a reliable engine. I mean, I don't have the fastest motor on the grid this year, but I know that it's very reliable and I know that, you know, it's making enough power to be competitive and, um, you know, weight. We have a, a weight limit in this class, and so there's kind of been a joke in our little talks about who has the lightest bike and, Honestly, I'm not as light as I thought I was. I finally weighed the bike, and I was more disappointed than that. But it's still pretty light, and I went and rode it at Chuck Wall, and we won a couple races just screwing around in the club scene. Uh, I think it was like December, January, whatever, and uh, the bike felt awesome. It felt really small. It felt light. Uh, I felt comfortable on it, and then being able to have a bike that I'm not worried about crashing and having to pay for that's my own helps a lot in like my brain, I guess. Uh, being able to go out and not have to you know fork out thirty or 25 grand for a motorcycle that I don't own Mm -hmm. and just basically cough the money up and watch it disintegrate or if I have to rebuild my bike it's my own bike it's my own money it's going into my own show and so it was cool having the factory kind of ride deal but I feel more comfortable in my head having a bike that's my own that I don't mind throwing down the track and I know that I have spares for it I know how every nut and bolt and I mean we literally built the thing from the ground up so I know every ins and outs of that motorcycle and I know what we have to deal with. You know, if something's wrong, I know it's wrong. If something's, you know, going right, I know it's not going to get changed next round. Like all that helps a lot. And so, uh, that's kind of my goal is to have a consistency, I guess would be the key. So I looked at your bike today and you've got some pretty amazing looking carbon fiber ductwork going under there. That's not just necessarily lightening the bike. I looked at Chris's bike today and it's got that big catfish mouth on the front. Yeah. Both of you guys seem like you're trying to get more air to the engine. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, to make power, you have to have air and, you know, it's a formula of air, fuel and, you know. Well, that's, that's what an engine is. It's an air pump. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the course of the exhaust that we're running is, I mean, almost far larger than the, than the air that's going in. So we have to bore off the throttle bodies and we got to make the air box as big as that we have the ability to make. And then also you're running straight down the track. You know, we get air into it. These bikes off the showroom floor just have a headlight mounted to the front. So we're making all this stuff 
to make these engines run it as you know as top performance as we can get them to run. Yeah, that's what's cool about this class. It's a builder class. So mm-hmm. like everybody's coming with these cool little ideas and he's got a cold air intake. I got a really cool dual feed cold cold air intake. You know, we're cutting subframes, we're making our own body work, we're mounting yeah. our own body work, lighter wheels. Everything for these motorcycles is not sold on a shelf. Yeah, I think Andy Palmer posted a picture on Facebook the other day of like the heart of the twin cup, and it was like an engine in a frame. The rest of it is completely custom. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we're talking shock links and different triple clamps and different fairing stays and different subframes and different bodywork. And yeah, every even, engine has pistons and rods and cams, and you know, they're the fully built. Suspension so. guys are making custom uh, internals for forks and shocks for us. Yeah. Like different links and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, these aren't point-and-shoot bikes. They're really small and light, and so being able to carry corner speed and have a compliant chassis is a, a really integral part of racing them. I mean, having too stiff of a setup, you get bad chatter. Having too loose, the thing won't turn. Like, So there's a fine line between corner speed and like point-and-shoot that we're trying to find, and it's cool. I mean, he was an R3 right racer. I was an R3 racer mm. in the club scene, and coming from that to these little bit more powerful shitty bikes is cool. It's, it's, it's really cool. So, so they are, they're, they're, they're heavy turds that we're trying to go fast. They on. are turds. I, mine is nicknamed the turd. So last year you won here, we already talked about with nine bikes, and then this year there's 39. Does it? Do you feel like, oh, no, that de- decreases my chance of riding again? Is it better to get third with 39 bikes, or is it better to beat eight other guys? So... Uh, you know, I've been here with, you know, 25, 30 bikes before when the G we're a GNF used to come here and the lightweight class back in the Suzuki cup days, you know, there was a lot of, you know, uh, SBs on the track at that time. So I'm really not that worried about it. The only thing I'm worried about and give him a little bit of advice because he hasn't, he's only been here once is the traffic during qualifying and warm-ups and stuff, you know, the traffic can get heavy. This track is, even though it's long, it's a little tight. Uh, and some of like, even up, like, at the chicane and top of two and stuff. Um, so that's the only thing I'm worried about is getting a good qualifying time. There'll know? probably be a pretty big disparity in speed, don't you think? Oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a big difference in speed. Yeah, because yeah. you got, not to say that the guys are, are, are rookies, but, you know, a lot of guys just haven't been to this track. So it's going to take them a little bit while to get up to speed. So... Just traffic's only going to be a problem. It's definitely one thing I'm stoked about this year is more track knowledge. I literally mm. showed up to every track this year not knowing anything about them. And I definitely feel more comfortable showing up knowing where the pit entrance is and where pit exit is and like where, where the track goes. And I think it'll help a lot, I mean, especially with my confidence, having the same motorcycle and having track knowledge. And it's going to help me. If, if uh, It's definitely going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be. That's the number one thing. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm not nervous. I I I was talking a little crap on Facebook about they're talking about 30 bikes, 40 bikes. I was like, well, I've raced you know ultra lightweight class in Chuckwalla with nine Moto America Junior Cup riders, and uh, there's 50 dudes in qualifying, and you have to dice through traffic to get a good qualifying, and then you're battling with nine. 16 year olds at the front of the grid, and so it doesn't make me nervous to have 30 dudes. It doesn't make me nervous that. Uh, you know, it's really, not anyway. having puberty yet. Yeah. Do they? So it is going to be different because there are going to be some kids. I mean, there's one notable one in in the Junior Cup champion, Alec Duma. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. Is I mean, does that raise your game, or I mean, do we just have to wait and see? It's going to be a wait and see. Uh, I don't. 
uh, I've never ridden with the kid. Um, I have. And, you know, for him to jump up to, you know, an SV, it's far different from a KTM or an R3, you know. Um, we'll just have to see. See how he does. We'll fill him out. You know, if the kid gets in a way, we'll, around a little bit. we'll get him out of the way if we need to. Um, a couple but, of veterans, wily old veterans, and, 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 him out. you know, I think it's, you know, for not to take away anything from M4 or those guys over there, it's, they're still going to be learning that, that whole setup and motorcycle and everything, you know, just like Alex is. So maybe they'll do good this round. Maybe they'll struggle. We'll see. Um, but I predict that they will get faster as the season goes. You know, just because they're going to progress with the whole program. Along with anybody that's running the whole season, we'll definitely learn the way these twins ride and the way we have to ride them to go fast. And there's a handful of dudes that have been on them, and there's a handful that haven't. And I think at the beginning of the season, we'll notice who has ridden them (laughs) and who's consistent, and then who will learn and pick up that that pace, you know? So. So what was the difference between him winning the championship and you not winning the championship? You won, you won one more race or two more races or whatever, but he was a little more consistent, obviously. I think it was DNFs, wasn't it? I mean, you yeah, had a I had a bad DNF in Utah. Utah, yeah. Real shitty bike in Barber. <laughs> I mean, I kind of crapped the bed in Barber. I should have probably tried harder. Um, I had a chance, but I the Utah race really screwed me big time. Um, <laughs> if I would have just finished Utah anywhere, I would have won the championship. So don't feel bad, man. I ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was we a both tough ran out of gas. <laughs> At least if he it opened it wide back open. You know? <laughs> At least if he finishes second again, your wife probably had bridesmaids dresses as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it is it is pretty incredible how it came down to the end of the season with you know going to that last round and everything. And you mentioned Jason, you had DNFs and you had the the running out of gas thing, but. By the same token, you had a race where you crashed and you were shifting the thing with your left hand. Mm-hmm. You came in and podiumed with no face shield and your leather's blown apart. So, you know, there is a little bit of you guys kind of do what you have to do to get to the finish line. You know, what, yeah. is that kind of a little bit what this class is like? Me and Chris had our heads in the game this last season, the previous season, because, you know, it was us and we were the only ones that were really doing the whole season and we were battling back and forth and we knew it was me and him. And so we knew if one of them went down, the other one had to go. And if yeah. one was up, the other one had to get up. And so we went pretty hard in the paint. We made sure that we were finishing and doing our thing. So we had some pretty gritty races last year that were fun. And I'm, I, just, I'm just old school. Mm-hmm. No, it's whatever you have to do to finish the race, and that, and that came from years of, of running endurance race. You know, number one is 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 to to finish the race, obviously, and whatever you need to do to finish the race. If you have a crash, you learn how to crash to keep the motorcycle from falling apart. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, hang on to it. And you know, you know, unfortunately, that race it high sided me, so it. it it just literally come out of my hand. Yeah, we did that shit and tangent too. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, oh, that's right. Right. It was like that ballet. Yeah, it was like if there was footage of both of us at the exact same time. We weren't even near each other. We were like thirty feet away. It was like high side, high side, both at the same time. Like, oh man, these guys are definitely. Uh... Well, so, what were you? Were you like? I can do that better than he could do that. Well, so, no, I was in front, so I didn't know. Oh, okay. I picked, up, I picked up the bike and looked back, and I saw Chris, and I was like. Oh shit, he's getting up. I was like, damn it, I have to go too. And like, the wind was knocked well, out of me and all my hair well, was blown out. It was I have, to, I have to say, I at least got up a, a little bit slower, 
But I actually wheeled the motorcycle into the middle of the track and purposely slipped and fell. Because I was trying to draw a red flag. The <laughs> old <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Yates technique. One of those YouTube videos, guys. It was snowing. It backfired because as soon as I hit the ground, I felt, I felt guys just picking me and the motorcycle up. And it was just like, whoop, I'm back up again. So I noticed the handlebar was bent. So I beat the handlebar straight. And I got on it, started, and went to shift the gear and went, oh, crap, that's missing. <laughs> so I just finally just got it. I just got it going. And then... That first lap, I just was just kind of taking inventory of what was going right. on and figured out that I could finish the race. Um, yeah, me, I actually went out. My bike was okay. The handlebar was bent, but nothing was like mechanically not functional. It was mainly your yeah. It's just my that like, was crazy. So I was going down the back straight, and I was putting my hand in front of my helmet yeah. just to keep the rain out of my visor. And then I was I figured they would black flag me. So every time I went down the front straight, I looked the other way. I was like, I don't want them to know that I don't have a visor. So you know, started, and the funny thing is, you coming into the press conference with your leathers blown apart. We didn't even think, ah, oh, that's just, you know, he blew it up. We thought that's just the way he is. He's probably half, wants to come in and half naked and do this. Do the press <laughs> Showing off the chest hair. Yeah, no, we man. it was a look for you. So, but I didn't, I had forgotten you were ahead of Chris. So, Chris, did you see him go down? I mean, did you guys just crash? I didn't really, no, I didn't see him. Okay. I, I, was, I was already in the same motion. Yeah, <laughs> it all happened fair. like simultaneously. Yeah. So, when I got up and looked back, I saw that he was down in like my, I guess my stomach dropped back out of my mouth into my stomach. So I was like, oh, it's not over. Like, I can still do this. Like, the season isn't over. Like, Chris is down too. Let's go. Let's go. You know, though, I mean, Chris, you you sort of play your cards a little closer to, to the chest a little bit, I think. I feel that way. You're a little more soft-spoken. Hammer, hammer is out of control. <laughs> when, it wouldn't be hard. When you, when you guys put I lost the, my filter when I was like 12. <laughs> when you guys put the face shields down, or in your case, for a little while until it comes off, are you... Are you racers? Are you giggling all the time out on the track? And are you? What are you guys like? Are you badasses when you're riding, or are you having fun? What's going on? It's hit or miss. I laugh sometimes. Yeah. Like I like shield goes down, bad to the bone. Song comes on. Is that right? <laughs> I expect that from you. See, but I'm I don't not. Know. Not me. Some more. No, like, I. I kind of chill. Like I'm sure you've seen some of like pre-race like grids. I'm laughing and joking around, and my I try and keep my mojo like chill but then once the light goes out my adrenaline pumps and my heart rate goes up and i get into race mode and you know i'm sure you saw like the red flag at utah where i was winning and then we had a red flag and i went back and i kind of lost my drive like my ambition to be up front and i kind of followed him around for the whole race just i mean not only was my bike crappy but i was just trying to like keep my mode my momentum you know like i kind of lose it i've always had a bad bad time with red flags every time there's a red flag i don't go nearly as fast as i did previously mm-hmm. you know so should you but, be telling them all this crap no, no he's already told we're, me. he's already <laughs> seen he's me. Person. you're like oh let's have a red flag <laughs> oh red flag oh i'm gonna crash on purpose we, we do a lot of folding chair racing with a bunch of beers <laughs> that's the cool thing about our class too is a lot of us i mean like he said earlier we all talk we all are kind of in the same chat group and the same forums and facebook and we all are we're buddies. It's not, yeah. there's not a lot. There's yeah. rivalries. Obviously I want to beat Chris. He wants to beat me. I want to beat anyone that's out there, but we still at, at the end of the day, we hang out and talk yeah. and high five. And yeah. I mean, that class does have more fun. I think than the other guys, you know, they're sneaking their beers in their hotel room. Yeah. You guys are just out in the open with it. So. Yeah. Well, that's what no, happens I, when you're 40. I 
you know, maybe maybe the the twins class will get a little more serious as it goes. Uh, but right now, it's it's serious enough that it needs to be, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. we're serious enough by preparing the machines, and we halfway prepare ourselves. Not like that we should prepare ourselves, I but it's more it's, it's more into the machine because we want the machine to be reliable because these. These lightweight bikes are prone to, you know, fly apart at, at any time because the engines are, are not stable. But the guys that's building the engines have figured out how to keep them, you know, reliable and stable. I haven't seen him yet, but didn't Chris Turner lose a bunch of weight? Yeah, yeah he looks a lot different. Does yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, he lost, lost 15 quite a bit. pounds since yeah. Christmas. Really? And I quit smoking cigarettes. Wow. I remember last time you <laughs> smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to have to carry you over the bridge. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, come on, I'm way older. Threw, I threw up and hopped it, I think, one morning. <laughs> yeah, I think you said I quit smoking this morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't smoked cigarettes since... Uh, Beginning of October, so October. Wow, so this year the class yeah, has well, taken on some I remember seriously. last year, you lost a bunch of weight going into la- last year, right? I did. Just uh, mowing his lawn. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it works. Yeah, it does. It's, if you push mow, you know, two acres of, you know, of grass, you know, spread it out over three days, it, it actually I'm works pretty good. I'm definitely better physical shape this year. While I did, it would be the problem. It doesn't mean that I quit drinking. I'll still party at the end of the weekend, but no, probably no... Heavy Saturday night, Friday night drinking binges, uh, <laughs> no cigarettes. Like, I think. Well, we can't do the Saturday night binge anymore because no, all no, of our races race on, are on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, right. Now we race on Sunday. And, and two <laughs> rounds are going to have two races, right? Yeah. You guys like that? I mean, is that something? I like it. Yeah. yeah. I always said if there was a second race at a lot of these rounds, I would have won. I'm ready, man. Well, especially with the quitting smoking, that's going to help. Yeah, it just it it gives us more race time. We felt a little shorthanded, you know, at the beginning of the season, but as it went on, it was just you know we just you know everything got better. Our coverage got better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, the races got better. The count of people that showed up got better. I think this year. I mean, obviously, we're starting off with 40 guys on the grid, and we have a cool new TV package. And yeah. I think a lot – I mean, people are going to be like, damn, I can do that. I can go beat Hammer, like, no problem. And then they're going to show up and be like, damn, I can't beat Hammer. <laughs> like, <there's... laughs> there you go. So I think it's cool, man. I'm excited for the Throwing class. Down the and that's, that's how you got 39 bikes on the grid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's great. And, and you guys – for your class and your racing live plus the streaming package is where it's at. Have you talked to people about that? I know you did a video with mm-hmm. us and, um, you know, people have asked, how can I watch your racing? Is this going to help people that know you to be able to see? Oh, absolutely. I've yeah. sent 10 yeah. people to get the thing. They're yeah. like, how do I watch your race? I'm like, just get this app. It's 50 yeah. bucks. You can watch everything whenever you want. And so, and you guys have put out really good information on it. So there really wasn't that many questions. Just a couple of people were like, where do I go to get it? Right. Yeah. right. Except for my mom. She's older lady. And so she's like, there's no app. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, it hasn't come out yet. Just be patient, mother. <laughs> We've had a few fans ask that question, like, where's the app? I think they thought once they signed up, it was immediately it was there, ready to yeah. go. But yeah. yeah. You know, I have a question for you, Chris. I, and so Travis is your uh, crew chief and mm-hmm. is again this year. Mm-hmm. So he raced a couple of rounds last year and he, he happened to race the round where you ran out of gas. <laughs> and I've never really gotten the answer. Was that his fault? Was it your oh, fault? No. Well, tell, tell us what happened. How the heck did you run out of gas? Oh. You didn't put enough in. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's who didn't it. is what I want to know. <laughs> no, it's, you know, Travis and Keith wanted to race at Pittsburgh. They had, they had motorcycles that were, you know, could pass tech and, and get on the, the track, I was like, sure. So I just 
um, asked the guy to come and help me. And, you know, he was, he was helping out a lot and I had to rush off and do something. And I told him what to do with the fuel, which at the time I was just carrying around one gallon gas can. Cause I, I like to, after every session, I like to, you know, siphon it out and see how much I use each session. Mm-hmm. Just so I know an average by race time, if that makes sense. Um, so just through all that communication, um, I told the guy to put two gallons in because I always need two gallons. I always use like a gallon and a half or gallon three quarter, you know, for a race. But somehow he didn't get uh, to put two gallons in and only put one gallon in. Okay. So uh, if I would have, if I even would have just asked, like during the red flag, I would have been able to put gas in it. But I just didn't think about it because I'm used to, you know, having two gallons of gas in there. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I would have enough, and then I didn't make it around the first lap of the restart. <laughs> yeah, I remember a warm-up lap, he was sputtering, and I'm like, oh, man. I was this like, great. I was like, this is good, but I felt bad for Chris. And I was like, oh, man, this is no bueno. And you obviously knew what it was. It was mm-hmm. running out of gas. Yeah. Ah. I know exactly what it was yeah. the first time. Because coming down uh, out of that bowl or whatever, I guess that's four or five at Pittsburgh, coming up the hill, it had that one big, like, that big – Jolt, <laughs> and I went, ah, oh, crap. So, you know, Paul knows this story about Eddie Lawson. That I think it was at Laguna Seca. One of his brake guys forgot to put the pins in or something, and he went into the first turn, and the pads came out, and he, he got hurt, broke his heel and all that. But he, from then on, always wanted that guy to be his brake guy because he knew that guy would never make that mistake again. Exactly. I bet you'll never have an issue with fuel. Oh, no, no. That guy's well, probably overfilling his car every time. He's never happening again. that's funny (laughs) so I got rid of the one gallon can I have a a two gallon can now yeah yeah you still just put one in now you know just fill it all the way up to the top it's two gallons you're good that's good just some miscommunication and you know hey it made it exciting man I helped you out yeah, yeah, you did. You're welcome. Yeah, I still won that race. I think that was the one I won, right? Well, I mean, you made it come down to that last race, and it was, yeah. you know, it was incredible the way it ended up. And did you did you have any reservations going into that? Did you think that yourself, I just do what I need to do, and I'll I'll, I'll win this? I did. Uh, during the all year long, it's a new motorcycle. I, I would struggle with that thing turning, and I knew Barber was a really tight track, you know. And, and I knew I was going to struggle, and I did everything I could to to get that bike to turn, and I never could get it set up. So the fastest I went in qualifying was my fastest of the weekend. And um, and I was looking at his times, and he didn't really do much better. So I knew it, it came down to just traffic and knowing the track. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, you've had a lot of laps there. Oh, yeah. I've and been there since Had you ever been there before? Just at the test, and it was the first oh, that's time right. I ever rode the bike. The preseason cold. test. Yeah. Right. It's all a bunch of excuses I should have done better, but uh, <laughs> I rode like a weenie. <laughs> well, what was your mindset? Were you thinking, I got, I've got, i got this? So I had an issue. I mean, like I said, excuses, but I kept dragging my exhaust on the right turns. Uh, there's a lot of like downhill compression oh, yeah. corners there. Yes. I never really noticed it until Barber, and I it was a fresh bike. I'd never rode, rode it uh, until that weekend and uh, didn't have nearly enough time to get it set up right and it still had radiator fluid in it when I got here. I mean, it was not nearly as competitive as the bikes that I rode the rest of the year. So I kind of came into a gunfight with a knife. Mm. So it is what it is. Well, this speaks to your comment that this year you've got one bike. It's a bike you're going to use. Last year you didn't know what you were going to have. Yeah. You always had an FC07 Yamaha, but it wasn't the same, same one every bike, time. Different shock, different forks, different <sighs> wheels, different 
everything. Everything was always different. So I don't know. I'm excited. Like I said, I'm really pumped to have my own machinery this year. Uh, you know, Eric Dorn's building my motors. I got motor rev doing my suspension. I built my own chassis. I've set up my own geometry, did my own library, my own bodywork, my own graphics, my own team, my own travel. Everything's on my own this year. I mean, I have sponsors that are financially helping me and some companies that are giving me parts and stuff. But uh, as far as like showing up to each round with like the confidence in my brain that the motorcycle is the same way it was last week and and, you know, like I said, I went to Chuck Wall and it felt just small. It felt mm-hmm. really small and light compared to what I'm used to. So that's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. lighter, smaller, better. So we'll see. You know, I want to give a shout out to your uh, crew chief, Justin. Justin's your crew chief. Right? Uh, Ryan. Ryan Smith. Oh, I'm so Ryan. Well, I keep well, saying Justin. Justin. Well, there's two. two. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ryan's the one I talked to. So Ryan, Ryan, Ryan owns Carbon Smith. Yeah, Ryan Sean Smith. Yep. So yep. Tell, talk about the fact that. He's got you have stuff on there that's 3D printed. Oh yeah. yeah a tell, lot of stuff. Tell us about Tons that. Of it's stuff. carbon fiber too. So we like relocated all my wiring and then we designed a I run R6 2018 R6 bodywork. So we bought the factory intake for the R6 and then molded off a 3D printer a part that fits off the stock ram air duct that goes in between the forks and the steering in the frame. And runs over the top of the engine with like custom carbon fiber ram ducts and custom printed intakes and a custom printed airbox and I mean we 3D printed my brake reservoir bracket and we 3D printed my chain guide we 3D printed my chain hook we 3D printed my potentiometer brackets we I mean anything that we can make out of carbon fiber 3D print we have mm-hmm. and so when you go look at the bike if anybody's you know in the pits and want to come check it out there's a lot of really really cool parts that are factory looking i mean when you look at our bike like you came over today and looked mm-hmm. at it, i mean it, you can't tell that we made all these these parts because they're all you know precision machine 3d printed you know mm-hmm. so everything's really really cool i mean it's our bike is pretty damn wicked this year uh yeah paul one of the things is the fu- the fuel cap on it is carbon fiber 3d printed and it's dished on the top so he can stick his chin on Down it on the it, straightaways yeah. and it, yeah, it, was, it fits right in there we were looking at pictures and you can always see my chin's on the gas lid and so we're like well what could we do to make you get your head down further make more draft or less draft and so we printed a, a dipped a carbon fiber gas lid that doesn't even unscrew you have i was to gonna say how do you it. get it off yeah, you have to unscrew it from the bolts on the tank to get it off <laughs> But uh, you're gonna run. I can get my chin. I can get my chin down another inch. So I mean, we'll see. It's, I don't think it's like you know, make or break, win or race deal. But it's cool, and it also weighs like 300 grams less than the stock gas lid. So you know, in a class where we're trying to get down to 300 ish pounds, you know, every half pound, quarter pound, everything makes a difference. So hmm. we did a lot of that. We did titanium exhausts and you know, 3D printed carbon brackets and everything's aluminum that we can make aluminum and mm. you know we're trying to get it down to the 300 ish mark but we're pretty far off i think that's a that's a big stretch for all, all of us really <laughs> how much how much does it weigh i don't know exactly we tried like the two scales in my garage deal and i think we were like around 325 or 320 or what about you chris how, how heavy uh, is your bike? i haven't weighed it but i'm sure it's still in a 360 range no kidding so yeah. you guys could wow that's quite a bit. Mine, uh, um, mine hasn't had the subframe cut off of it. It's still this, the steel trellis frame. It's all still one piece. I just hadn't had time to work on it. And uh, the SV cannot get that light um, with the bigger steel tank. And it just, just has more frame that's steel. Mm-hmm. You know, the swing arm is steel. It's just, it just has more. 
So we have like six pounds in data on it. Just potentiometers, front and rear potentiometers, the da- aim data system, uh, wow. brake pressure sensor, a uh, bunch of wiring. Uh, so, yeah, we measured all that, and it was five and a half pounds of data. Do you use all that mm. on your bike? So you use data. You r- yeah. look at it afterwards. Yeah, this year, last year we didn't have it. This year, I was always like, what gear am I in? Where am I at here? What? And it's going to help. I mean, I don't know. Really, honestly, I've never had data on any bike I've ever owned. So we're kind of learning, I guess. So we're going to see what we can use to help us, like gearing, speeds, um, you know, lean angles and some of that stuff is trackable. <laughs> uh, throttle position, brake pressure. It's a waste of money, kind of. Well, I was going to say, who's you got to have somebody that can read it. Who's, is it Ryan? That's, yeah, so we've been, like on the way out here, we were watching YouTube videos and learning. Uh, so, I mean, we're not, we don't know much about it. So it's kind certified of Certified YouTube. You can set it up so you can actually watch YouTube on it. Yeah, I know. That'd be cool. Like, if I could watch like kitty videos down the straightaway, that'd be sweet. I'm down. I mean, I can hook you up with my friend Vito Bolognese from Magneti Morelli. He might be able to help you, but if he has any time on his hands, you so know. A couple of our buddies, like, you know, Ben Fox has helped us with some dumb stuff. And, you know, even Andy Palmer's helped us with some dumb stuff. And we went to Chuck and we gathered data and used it to help with our gearing selection. Because you're like, oh, you're you're faster here when you're in this gear and you're slower here when you're in this gear. So we were able to kind of determine what gearing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, on these little crappy bikes, it's a big deal. Like, it's like... God, if you're in fifth year and you're at 9,000 RPMs, it feels like you're going fast. But if you're in sixth and you're at 3,000 RPMs, you're actually carrying more quarter speed. And so it, there's, it helps there a little bit. But mm-hmm. honestly, I don't see it like being like a make or break championship winning deal. But it's cool to have. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind sacrificing five pounds uh, to be able to go back and be like, oh, you're this is what happened. This is where you shit the bed or this is where you're riding like a girl or whatever. So you guys this weekend are kind of youngsters compared to the one guy that's coming in on the Ducati, Michael Barnes, who I believe is 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you th- I mean, he's formidable and that's a good bike. What, you know, you, you got a taste of it at New Jersey last year when Renzo Ferrer rode it, I think. So what do you, what do you think about that bike? You think it's going to got something to show you or good with it? I know Barnes is fast. I know who's building it's fast and we never really got a chance to ride with it, not in weather. So it'll be interesting to see how it does power-wise. Uh, I, mean, I know, I know, Barnes, he's a badass. So I'm not. He's You're definitely just, one on my list. I had, a, I have like a pit board with a bunch of names on it, and I had to pick ten that I thought might be ones that would show up on the board, and he ended up being one of them. So that makes sense. <laughs> Wow. It's just another sit and wait and watch situation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. It's hard to tell right now. You've probably raced with Barney before, haven't you? I've never raced with Barney before. Wow. Surprising. Wow. Of course, he did a lot. You've done a lot of Weira and he was AMA a lot. Yeah. He's always, I've always been on the the lightweight bikes and he's been on 600s and 1000s and stuff. So, so, yeah. Never had a chance to ride with him, but I will this weekend. That's good. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be cool. I'm excited. I mean, it's a good name to have in the group, you know, to. Sure. Yeah solidify our, our class i mean with alex demos being there and barnsey showing up and there's a couple bigger names that are showing up you know and i'm sure everyone's thinking oh those guys are going to kick everyone's butt but yeah they bring it on though right yeah i'm not scared <laughs> me and parish are going to show them around the tracks so. <laughs> that's great good attitude you yeah. know all right we'll wrap this thing up i know these guys are old and they probably need a lot of sleep <laughs>
<laughs> we don't want to give him too much time. That's not beer, is it? It is actually. Is it? All right. That's cool. Like, you're the first beer drinker on our show. Well, that's actually drank on the show. <laughs> Although I think I have at home. Maybe. It's a 20 hour drive, man. I deserve a couple man yeah, sodas. So, so, anyway, thanks guys for coming. Good mm-hmm. luck. Yeah, man. Thank Congrats you. on last year and you too. And uh, I expect some good battles from you guys. And Thanks to our fans for continuing to listen to the podcast, and uh, you'll be able to see this thing on Facebook Live on Sunday. Saturday. Saturday on Facebook Live, oh, cool. right on. so you can watch that. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. Continue to watch, and and however you listen to the podcast, keep it up, and make sure you uh, you all buy your subscriptions to the Moto America Live Plus, and you can watch these guys in action as well as all the other classes. So. Again, thanks for uh, for tuning in, and thanks you guys for joining us tonight. Should have should have brought the helmet in. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen my helmet? Us, yeah. No. Is it on both sides? It says this space available. Oh, I did see it. Yeah, so, I saw it on the video you sent. <laughs> so if you're watching the twins class, look for me and look for the helmet. I'm a hundred sponsors, <laughs> so there's no space available. I'm well, sponsoring things. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully at the, at the next round you've got a you know. Yep, sponsorship still, on there. Yeah. We're working on that. I'm gonna help them design a cool little pit, like sticker or something. We can like replace it every round. Just working, so. just needing tire money. Well, yeah. the way Kyle Wyman does it is kind of smart. Where he sometimes, you know, he's that like he has different sponsor per race based yeah. on where the race track. Well, that's is what and, I want to do. Build my own bodywork. You know, if I if I have a sponsor for that weekend, you know, build the bodywork for them and then give it to them mm-hmm. after the weekends. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. So, yeah. I think Sean's got some extra cash. Yeah. I, just want to see, I just want to see Sean on the side of <laughs> Just my name, not my Jamie. Yeah, no, we don't want that bucks, on there. So I'll put a sticker of him well, on the side could, of my bike. We, we, could, done deal. we can photo him like the, the Steve-O pose. Yeah, yeah put it on the side of the helmet. Whoever right. wins gets it tattooed on his back, too. That's it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, right thanks, on, guys. guys. Yep.